0: what's up everybody welcome back to chord chronicles i can't believe it week 10 is it really week 10
1: it's week 10
0: wow time is just flying by this year already guys like i can't believe it's already march i was just thinking to myself the other day i realized it's almost my birth you know my birthday will be here what next month so I'm getting, another year older yeah, i'm getting old I'm not getting old. I'm already old, but getting even older. I guess we all are, though. What? That's that's a a good good uh, compared to the alternative, though, right?
1: <laughs> I guess so. That's what they say. I
0: guess. I don't know. That's the rumor. You know, this is a good week for music. I'm gonna start by saying that, <clears throat> like my Jeff's just jamming segment, the album that I'm gonna talk about. It's really exciting I strongly recommend everyone check out the album that I'm gonna be talking about and the band because I don't think you'll be disappointed in that as well as a couple of the albums that we're gonna talk about this week but yeah uh, it's been it's been a better week than last week I will say that I hope everyone out there listening has had you know a little bit better week because I think hopefully the frost and all that crap is behind us and hopefully we won't have any more floods come upon us all of a sudden i guess we'll see about that but hopefully everyone's getting their taxes done and they're going to get a good refund so fingers crossed (laughs) the stimulus should be coming anytime you know so maybe so we'll get some help guys so
1: money money Oh, sorry. Money, money. That was later in the '70s. Never mind. Yeah. Money, 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 money.
0: <laughs> nah, but we're not here to talk about money. We're here to talk about music, which is as good as money sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> now, the first album we're going to talk about, though, it came out 50 years ago. Peek behind the curtain. As of the we're recording this. so this was march 8th 1971 uriah heat salisbury now you know this has to be named after the with the steak maybe they like the tv Mm. dinners (laughs) yummy oh gross that's not even meat is it
1: (laughs) uh you were always too picky
0: i don't even think that's really meat is it i mean that's one step above shoe leather
1: You've just never had my Salisbury steak. That's all. It's
0: like eating a sponge. (laughs) Nah, but actually, I'm sure what this is from Salisbury in England, the region of England. Because right Heap, British band. I keep wanting to spell their last name, like the Heap part of it H E A P. I just, I don't know why. I mean, I guess because that's how. I usually see heap, but I just keep on wanting to spell it like that. I know how to spell Uriah, but I just kept misspelling it.
1: That's funny, because my phone auto-corrected it to Irish heap when I was taking notes.
0: Irish heap. That sounds like a uh, like a like an Irish prog folk band. <laughs> we, we might have that. Who knows? I guess we'll have to see about that. But Salisbury is their second album. Now, did we have... We had their first album also, I believe. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and it was okay. But I think it was well, it was very, very heavy, very humble. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think we were both a little underwhelmed by it, though, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and I
0: don't have the scores. That was from 1970, so I don't have those scores right in front of me. Sorry, I'm just unprepared. We're just so unprofessional, guys. <laughs> but this is considered heavy metal this is early heavy metal a lot of prog in this prog rock i would say and from the from the very first song on this well i'm i'm going to first i'm going to go ahead and talk about the members of the band because good or bad <laughs> good or bad they can do some falsetto would you say that?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, you might say that.
0: Well, you have David Byron. He's lead vocals, except a couple songs. Ken Hensley, slide and acoustic guitar, organ, piano, harpsichord, vibraphone, Mellotron, <laughs> and he does some vocals and lead vocals on those other two songs. So basically, Ken Hensley is a musical genius. We'll go ahead and say that, whether or not I, I like him. His, his vocals, I will say that, being able to play that many instruments, my goodness. Then you have Mick Box. He's um, lead and acoustic guitar. So I guess a little bit of electric and acoustic in there, which there is. He does some vocal background. Uh, you have Paul Newton, which is your bass guitarist and vocals. And then finally uh, what well, Keith Baker. I almost called him Ken Baker. But Keith Baker's on drums, and he, he doesn't provide any vocals, so I guess no falsetto from Keith. But Now, it's funny that I just keep harping on the, the falsetto thing, because from the very start, if anyone out there is familiar with the early heavy metal, where everyone's trying to hit those high notes, that's what this uh, this album starts with. If it, I mean, I was already familiar with this song. This is one of Uriah Heep's better known songs. When you look them up on Spotify, this is one of the first songs you'll find. And that song is "Bird of Prey," <laughs> and it's 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 almost funny because just the falsetto there. I don't I don't I'm not going to spoil it. Everyone needs to go listen to it because. It's kind of funny, but it actually kind of rocks, honestly. I, I, I kind of like it, but it, the falsetto, it does remind you of birds, though. I'll give you that. So, now, I don't care for the slower songs on this album, though. That's what drags it down for me. I believe, um, I believe I'm, I'm trying to remember, I believe it's the second song, maybe the third, it just is a very slow, it just drags down, and I just did not care for it. I think it's the park. Yeah, it just, it wasn't for me at all. But I did like Time to Live. I liked it, and I liked Lady in Black. I thought it was okay. It's just, a, it's a, it's like a tale of, of two albums, almost. The songs that are really good on this, I think, are really good, and the songs that are just I don't like, I just despise them. <laughs> so, I also like High Priestess. It's on side two. Salisbury, even for me, it was too long. And you know, I like Prague and I like long songs, but it's like 16 minutes, 16:20. 16, That's what I mean. It's the whole side, basically of side two. I mean, High Priestess is only like four minutes, not even four minutes long. But this album, like I said, it's a, it's a tale of, it's a tale of songs that I really like and I see promise. And then it's just, and then I'm like, oh, I hope they don't go in this direction. So I I don't know. What did you think about it though?
1: Well, the first thing that I wanted to mention, um, there are two different track lists for this song- for this album. I don't know if you noticed that. The one on Spotify, I listen to, but I also listen to the other one, because there's a UK version and a US version. <laughs> I found that on Wikipedia. They're mostly the same, but the US one doesn't actually have Bird of Prey on it. It has Simon the Bullet Freak instead. And the songs are in a little different order. But I actually really liked the song, The Park, because I thought it was surprisingly relaxing, which you don't get in Hard Rock very much. So for me, it didn't drag it down. It was just a unique and pleasant um, change. But another contrast. you You said that you enjoyed Time to Live. I like that one too. I thought it had a really good hard rock guitar riff, and I really liked his scream in that song. So those are the only two that really stood out. You know, the one that was different, Simon the Bullet Freak, was very forgettable. I think that the UK version is the better of the two versions. And the only other note that I have on it... um the title track, Salisbury. Way too long. Too much of the same thing over and over again. So I did have to skip through parts of that one.
0: You know, I'm going to say something funny about that too. It's one of the singles that was released. <laughs> I can't believe that. I, I can I am yeah. like I've never seen a 16-minute song be a single like released. Well, the other singles, Lady in Black and High Priestess, and the other, the side beat of that one was Time to Live. And I think I'm, I've, I think I'm familiar already with High Priestess. I believe the, that riff was familiar to me in it. But maybe not because we, you know we listen to so much music. Some of it sounds similar sometimes. But this album, it honestly didn't sound that similar to most of the other stuff that we've been listening to. I will give it that. It is heavy metal. It, it's that early, early heavy metal. And I, for me, it's not outstanding, but it's not bad either. And the production was pretty good too. I wound up giving it three and a half stars. I wanted to give it four, but it just doesn't reach that for me. Not quite. Some of the songs, I like I really enjoyed, Bird of Prey and stuff, and, and uh, What Time to Live, I believe, and uh, What High Priestess. Those, those three songs are... I don't want to say they're five-star, but they probably are four-star songs for me. But as a whole, I say this one's probably three and a half. But what do you think about it?
1: We're in agreement on this one. I gave it three and a half as well. I felt like there just wasn't really a standout song. It was all fair to good, but nothing really stood out.
0: And OMG... Oh, him goodness. The next album we're getting ready to talk about. I already know it was going to be good going into it. Because this is an artist I'm very familiar with. And I knew he was going to start going a little more for the edge. I say he because this is actually a a band as a whole. But. (laughs) I'm talking. (laughs) Kind of. Yeah. I'm talking about Alice Cooper. Now, the album, actually, though, we're getting ready to talk about, came out March 9th of 71, and it's Love It to Death. I was already familiar with a little bit of this album. Not the whole thing, but definitely some of the songs, I'm going to say that. <laughs> this is his third album. Now, I believe we had Easy Action. It was okay, but we could tell, But I think, believe both of us, we could tell that, he was headed and we know, we already know Alice Cooper anyway, but if I didn't know who Alice Cooper was going from this album or that album to this album, you can see growth as a band and as an artist for sure. And I, I from what I could tell reading about it, the stage presence and everything as well started evolving then. And he, I mean, he was becoming Alice Cooper that, we know and love now even today because <laughs> speaking of alice cooper has a new album i didn't know if you knew that <laughs>
1: yeah we talked about that when we listened to this one yep
0: detroit stories i believe was the title um go check it out guys it's really good it's really good i've already listened to most of it i haven't made it all the way through it admittedly and i haven't listened to it like i want to but yeah to be you know to be what how old is alice cooper now
1: in his 70s. Yeah,
0: he still rocks, and he still sounds good. So I enjoyed that one as well. <laughs> but this one, like I said, it came out March 9th of 1971. There are two singles, and it's one of them. I'm 18, and the B side of that, Is It My Body. Both those songs are awesome. And then Caught in a Dream, on the B side of that one, is Hallowed Be My Name. I wasn't familiar with Caught in a Dream. I don't believe, but I already did know. I'm 18, and is it my body? I believe I had a single, a 45 LP, like a record, not LP, but a record, a 45, with the, that, you know, those songs, uh, as when I was younger. But it just, it just, I remember both of those songs. Now, I mean, what else can you say? Like I said, Alice Cooper vocals and harmonica you have glenn buxton on lead guitar really good lead guitarist michael bruce rhythm guitar keyboards and backing vocals dennis dunaway bass guitar and does a little bit of backing vocal and then neil smith on drums and they say backing vocals but i don't know he he, I i don't i don't hear him much in the mix honestly I would like to hear him do some backing vocals to prove. I have proof of that. I don't know what song supposedly he does backing vocals. (laughs) I'm gonna get some hate from that one. Probably some Neil Smith fan. He's a great drummer, so don't get me wrong. I'm not no hate here. (laughs) I just didn't hear him his vocals at least. So maybe it's lost in the mix. But this um. Like I said, what, can you, what else can you say? I was already familiar with I'm 18. I really... The pleasant surprise on this album for me, I didn't know how you would feel about it because it is longer. I like the last song on side one, Black Juju. It has a Doors... An Evil Doors vibe to it in a way because the organ going throughout it and it has this... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Marilyn Manson was definitely, I mean, I already knew that, but Marilyn Manson was definitely influenced by Alice Cooper. And he, I'm sure growing up as a child, he listened to this album quite a bit. Because a lot of the sounds, like this, the organ throughout this, and this, you know, its its <laughs> it comes back later on. When you listen to Marilyn Manson, you'll hear this. So anyone that goes and, and listens to this now that's already familiar with we're listening to music, we're not listening, we're not talking about alleations. Okay. I'm I'm not even gonna <laughs> get political and talk about the issues about Mr. Manson is having. I'm talking about the art. So music only. Yes. Yeah. Music this only This is early goth. Yes. But um I'm not like some of these like most of these songs, a lot of these songs have been covered. By other bands. Now I've heard anthrax's cover of I'm eighteen. like the Thrash metal band anthrax. I've heard that because it's on their debut album, Fistful of metal. and i'm I was a fan of anthrax growing up. I like uh, a lot of their stuff. I'm just I don't know. I just always like that band. Uh, the Melvins covered second Coming and the Ballad of Dwight Fry. So that's two. that's three songs already that've been covered. Um, let's see here. The song "Dreaming" um, was covered by Kiss on "Cycle Circus." Well, it bears a real like a resemblance to "I'm 18. Um, like they filed a plagiarism suit, they settled out of court on it. So mm, it's pretty close, though. I went went and listened to that one. I get some Kiss fans gonna come at me. I should have asked Ricky Morgan about that. I'll have to ask Rick Morgan about that and see what he says. But and another band that I'm only in in name only familiar with they're they're a death metal band Swedish band Entombed. And they had a cover of Black Juju on it. So and I think there are other songs that have been covered, but that's just a few. This this album is so good though, you can tell they. Most of these songs have been covered by other artists now as time's gone by. You know, I'm gushing all over it. You're gonna, it sounds like I'm gonna just give it that five star seal. I guess we'll see because I'm gonna hear what you think about it first.
1: (laughs) I mean, we know I enjoy Alice Cooper, you know, I have always enjoyed his music, I even enjoyed his radio show and I'm kind of sad that my local station doesn't have it on anymore, but whatever, that's unrelated. Obviously, the standout hit off of this album is I'm 18. It's a great song. Really, really catchy. And I really like the harmonica in it. I mean, that's an interesting choice for this style of music, but it really works. I did think that Black Juju was interesting, also. Those are actually the two songs that I made notes on. It was long, but it was interesting. I liked the drums in it. I thought they were really good. You know, very tribal sounding. And I think it was keyboard, but I noticed it sounded like retro video game music, like arcade or NES era, which of course would have come later than this song. But that's just what it sounded like. I could imagine, you know, an NES game play in with the keyboard from that song as the soundtrack for that game. But it all you know it all just kinda sounded like what I expect from Alice Cooper. Like you were talking about, you can see the growth. You know, this definitely sounds more like what I expect from Alice Cooper than his previous al- <laughs> See there I go, his their previous album, which was okay, but this is better. And part of that is, you know, I'm 18. Everybody knows that song. It was a hit, but it's good. And the whole album was good. Yeah, I liked it.
0: It's not five stars, though. Ah, I'm going to run it right there. It, it's great, though. It really is. Don't get, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. Everyone needs to check this album out. It's one of the best albums of this year so far, but it's four and a half stars. Strong four and a half, though. It really is. I enjoyed it tremendously. I went back and listened to it quite a few times this week. But what did you give it?
1: I didn't love it quite as much as you. I mean, I do love I'm 18, but the rest of them didn't stand out quite as much. But I did think it was pretty good, and there is that one standout song that I'm obviously not going to forget. I've known it my whole life. So... You know, one song doesn't sound like much, but when you consider the sheer quantity of stuff that we listen to, it's really good to have even one song that I'm going to remember forever. So, I gave it, you know, my, my normal four stars, but consider four stars out of all the stuff that we listen to is really good.
0: Oh yeah, I'm really excited to hear the next album from Alice Cooper so.
1: Me too.
0: (laughs) It's one I'm already familiar with. But, yeah, this one, so, I mean, combined, we still give it four and a quarter stars. So, I mean, everyone needs to definitely check this out. I mean, I think everyone needs to check out Uriah Heap as well. It's not bad. But this Alice Cooper album, if you have to pick one or the other, definitely pick the Alice Cooper album. For sure. Now, the last album that we both listened to this week was one we actually just threw in here <laughs> because we don't have the exact date. Um, this is an artist that I'm already, I've am already already had an album. Well, it was an album that he was with someone else. It, okay, I've said too much. This is John Lee Hooker. And I had Hooker in Heat, which is John Lee Hooker and Canned Heat. It was in 1970. It was good but it was it was standard nothing you know nothing like surprising well this album nothing surprising john lee hooker excellent blues musician let's just go ahead and put that out there <laughs> but this album i'm going to go ahead and put this out there It just kind of played for me. It just kind of played through. There wasn't anything that stood out. Now the personnel on this album. Is too extensive. To go through. I'm not going to even. List this whole. (laughs) The whole list. The whole list is huge. But. That's what it sounded like. It sounded like he was just having fun. But one notable. That was just interesting. I will point out. Only one name is Steve Miller from the Steve Miller Band. He plays guitar on a lot of the songs. You know, he plays background guitar in the studio. So, I mean, you wouldn't know, though, honestly. You can't tell. It's just John Lee Hooker doing singing and playing guitar. And he wrote all the, the songs. But, like, I feel bad because... I was so underwhelmed by this album. It's not bad. It's it's just not... I don't know. It it just... <laughs> like, I don't have much I can say about it because it was kind of boring. And I like blues. And this, you know, this is my favorite style of music. So I, but I, I guess maybe I expected more from it because it's John Lee Hooker. But John Lee Hooker has a ton of albums. So... This is an example of quantity, not quality, for me. But before I give my stars, I'm going to turn it over to you and see what you thought about it.
1: Well, I think it's pretty well established that I like blues as well. This was my first John Lee Hooker album of the show. I've heard some of his songs, but it's the first one I've listened to, for Chord Chronicles. And I thought it was good. I think I might have liked it a little better than you, it wasn't, like, blow you out of the water good, but it was good, I mean, it's, you know, blues, music, well done, by a talented musician, or as you said, several talented musicians, I made a note of the Steve Miller thing too, and Jim Gordon, Jim Gordon played drums, and he was, um, Derek and the Dominoes, I believe. Uh, But, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say. I thought it was good. I didn't think that there were any standout hits, but I did think the whole thing was at a relatively high level of talent. I did feel like most of the songs were longer than they needed to be. The only one that I have a specific note about is the song I Got a Gooden. That's because it really reminded me of the song LaGrange by ZZ Top. You know, that, just that LaGrange riff. There was something in I Got a Gooden that made me think of that. Of course, LaGrange came after that. So I don't know if they were inspired by John Lee Hooker or if it was just a coincidence, but that's what it made me think of. But that's really all I have to say about it.
0: No, they were definitely inspired by John Lee Hooker.
1: <laughs> I meant that specific song. No, but yeah, they,
0: DZ Top's definitely strongly influenced by a lot of those blues, that Delta blues. Um, like I said, I, like I really like blues music. Is probably, if I had to pick one, blues might be my favorite. That or prog, like prog rock. But this album for me, like... Like I said, John Lee Hooker has a lot of albums. So if you're going to pick a John Lee Hooker album, I think there are better ones. So that, you know, I'm not saying it's bad. It For me, it's three and a half stars. It's not bad. The production's really good. It's just there's nothing that's outstanding. There's no song on here that, that I would consider just a hit that I'm going to remember Like, I got a good, and I remember that, because I thought that was funny. Like, it was kind of, uh... I mean, it's a different time. (laughs) It was a different time. So, I was like, it's a little sexist, I guess, but it was a different time. So, you can't go back and judge from... You know, I guess you can, but I'm not going to go back and judge someone from something from 50 years ago. Like that, in a song. So, but... um. Like I said, three and a half stars. It's, it's not outstanding to me, but it's not bad either. But, you know, what did you give it?
1: Well, like I said, I think I liked it a little more than you did. And that may be because it was my first experience with John Lee Hooker on the show. But I agree. There were no songs that really stood out that I'm going to go back and listen to just that song. But because I did enjoy the whole thing and felt like it was at a fairly high level throughout. For me, it was a little too high to give it the three and a half, so I gave it four.
0: But it's, it's still three and three quarter. You know, not a, not a bad album. Like I said, I just think there are better John Lee Hooker albums. And honestly, Hooker and Heat is better than this one. Because you have the interaction with John Lee Hooker with the guys from Canned Heat and the guys playing harmonica and, and it just it's a it's just a a more varied sound. This one just kind of was a one note. <laughs> I guess you could say.
1: No. There were there were several notes. I listened to every one of them.
0: Yep, and they all sounded about the same. So it's it's all good. But it's all there. <laughs> nothing nothing groundbreaking for me. That's why it didn't make it to four stars. But it looks like that is the last album that we both listened to this week. And I'm excited to talk about the next band. And I'm a, I hope you get a chance to go back and at least listen to a couple of the songs. From the beginning of this album, maybe those first two, so you get a good, you know, a good fast one and a good slow one. So, but I've said too much because I don't want to spoil it. We're going to take a quick break because when we get back, we're going to have Jeff's just jamming. what's up everybody welcome back to jeff's just Jammin', and i hope everyone out there is having an awesome day my day's been pretty good as well it's been especially good because of the album that i'm getting ready to talk about now i know i've had a lot of good albums on jeff's just Jammin'. i haven't had very many bad ones i've been really lucky and a couple times i've had bands that i've had no knowledge of and it's turned out to be One of the best albums that I've had overall since we've started this. And this week is an example of that. The artist I'm going to talk about is someone that I had never heard of before. No knowledge. I was familiar with uh, the bands maybe associated. and One band associated with this band. Or one of the members actually. Later on. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The band that I'm going to talk about today is Pato. P A T T O. It's actually named after the lead singer, Mike Pato. And I'm just going to go ahead and talk about the individual artists in this band because I think every member needs to be highlighted. Every member of this band extremely talented. And I was only familiar with one of the artists associated with another band, actually. But anyway, like I said, you have Mike Pato as your lead singer. And Mike Pato, later on, became the lead singer of Spooky Tooth, which is a band that we've already covered, but with, I guess, this other singer. I'm interested to hear what Spooky Tooth becomes, with Mike Pato because Mike Paddo's voice it fits this music and I'm sure it will be great with Spooky Tooth as well but Mike Pato is responsible mainly for your vocals and next you have your <laughs> he plays so many instruments he plays guitar piano vibraphone organ and he also does some background vocals. Left-handed guitarist also. So, shout out to all you lefties out there. This is Ali Um, Every one of these members, I don't think I mentioned it before. I believe they were involved with another band called Timebox before this. Band Pato. I'm not familiar with that as well, but I would, I'm going to go check it out. And this is actually the second album from them. Because we missed one. We missed their debut, Pato. I think it came out in 70. But anyway. Like I said. You have guitar, piano, vibraphone, organ, and background vocals. Ollie Halsall. He shines on this album. I think he's the, the brightest member of the band. They're all good. But he just is great. And you also have... On bass and background vocals, Clive Griffiths, and drums and percussion, John Halsey. And like I said, every member of this band is extremely talented. Now, um, I wanted to highlight Ollie Halsall because he didn't start out as a guitarist. He started out playing, I believe, drummer. Yeah, he started as a drummer then switched to guitar in 1967 for him to be so talented on this album. And I'm going to go back and listen to their debut after hearing this one. But for him to have come so far as a guitarist, it shows that he is a true artist and he is this, he's made for this. But I just thought that was really interesting to pa- to point out because he was a, a drummer first and, i mean switch and this is like three only three or four years later and he's already just killing it so definitely check out ollie halsall and like i said clive griffiths he was involved with timebox before pato and pato as well and then you had john halsey and he was in a few groups actually chips pato roy harper and black sheep familiar with roy harper uh, the Ruddles and Timebox. Not familiar with Ruttles. Timebox, I'm going to have to go check out because every one of these guys seemed like they were associated with it. But we're here to talk about the album Hold Your Fire. We don't have a definite release day for it. So, I mean, 1971 because everyone, everyone, every album that we're talking about is 71 but we don't have a date we're putting it right now so march of 1971. <laughs> but anyway this album if i had to describe it as a particular style i guess this would be rock prog rock with a strong jazz blues fusion element to it because at the time signatures are pretty standard I think they do a little bit of off time so that there is a little bit of prog element to it but the songs aren't incredibly long so you don't have that like you typically have in prog and it's it's really bluesy and jazzy and like I said Ollie saw shines on every song they start out with Hold Your Fire you know, title track, I'm already liking that because I love, if you're going to, talk. you know, title your album after one of the songs, I really like when you just right out the gate, show me what you got. This song really reminds me of a Faces, like a Tiny Faces, like Rod Stewart, something like that. Uh, like, they sound like that. And I was impressed right from the beginning. Well, the next song, they bring it down a little bit. I'm not going to go track by track. I just wanted to highlight a few because they're really good. You, the, ne- the next song, it's called You, You Point Your Finger. I don't want to say it's a ballad, but they do bring it down a little bit and slow it down. And really, I mean, the guitar is always good in it. I think Mike Pato's vocals and maybe Clive Griffith's bass work in this in this song really shine it's just he's there's a real nice bass groove in it so i recommend everyone check out at least side one of this album i think every song i don't think there's a bad song when you get into side two it does get into more jazz elements and probably a little more prog leaning but i was fine with it i like prog anyway but this is a classic to me and i'm really excited to go back and listen to their debut pato because from what I've heard it is a little rawer than this one so I'm excited to hear it I mean this is extremely polished I will say that it's really hard to find there's not a Wikipedia page for this I had to get my information from like discogs and other you know just other sources all music you know, I, I did a little bit of research because I was extremely interested. But this vinyl is one of them that's a little more expensive to to get. At like the lowest that I've seen it go for is around eighty dollars. Up, the highest like seven hundred dollars. But that one was a very very nice vinyl. The artwork is really interesting. You know, we don't we don't um, we don't mention that enough. I don't believe. Because the artwork really goes into part of the whole package. So, this one, really cool. Just some interesting cartoon drawings. Just interesting. Probably a uh, an acid trip was involved or something. But, <laughs> who knows. I really like it though. But, this one, I thought about giving it five stars. If I'm being honest with you. For my enjoyment it was five stars but overall it's more four and a half because like i said the second side does fade a little bit into more of the jazz these guys i bet they're i don't know for a fact but i think they're probably accomplished jazz musicians also it just seems like it because when when you get into side two there's quite a bit of those elements shining so but if you're a fan of prog rock and you like bands like The Faces and you like Rod Stewart and stuff like that, then you're gonna love this. As we have someone driving by, I won't be able to edit that out, guys. Thanks, woo! Burnt two gallons of gas. (laughs) Maybe they like Pato as well, but like I said, if you're a fan of bands From this era that were like Faces. And with Rod Stewart and that style. You're going to love this. This is four and a half stars. That's Pato. Hold Your Fire. Don't sleep on this one. This one might be... This is definitely top three of Jeff's Just jamming of all time. And this is right up there as far as albums that I've enjoyed from this year so far. So... Be sure to check it out but i think we're going to take a quick break and when we get back amy's going to be all alone
1: Hey again, everybody. I am back again, and I get to close out the show again this week. Wow, week 10. (sighs) Sorry, got distracted. I just can't believe that we're already on week 10. We've done 10 of these. Anyway, the album that I'm going to talk about for Amy's All Alone, I'm just going to get right into it because it's just that kind of week, guys. But my album is by Rita Coolidge. And it is her self-titled debut album. I have vague knowledge of Rita Coolidge. Let's put it that way. You know, I've heard her name, but she's one of those people who I know the name, but I can't actually name any of her work when I think of her. I mean, I can now. You know, after listening to this album and you know looking her up for this segment, you know, after doing that research, I can name some of her songs. The most famous is probably the, the theme song from the James Bond movie, Octopussy. But before this, if you said, what did Rita Coolidge sing, I wouldn't be able to name any of her stuff, but I would know her name. I would recognize it as an artist. Anyway, like I said, this was her debut album, and it does have a lot of covers in it, like a lot of debut albums do. You know, I'm not sure if they're all covers. That's not clear. Some of them definitely are, though. Crazy Love, which was made famous by Van Morrison, and Seven Bridges Road, I know as an Eagles song, they're both on here. It seems like... <laughs> Boris the Cat wants to state his opinion again this week. I'm just going to try to ignore him, but he is very insistent sometimes, so we'll see how that goes. Anyway, it seems like some of the songs may be original. I don't recognize the songwriters, songwriters, but they do play on the album. But it's just not really clear. This album, by the way, does have its own Wikipedia page. And it is available on Spotify. I didn't check YouTube Music, but I assume it would be available on there as well. So, if you want to listen to it, it should at least be fairly easy to access it. I did mention the songwriters playing on the album, and since I am speaking of personnel, I do want to recognize some of the personnel on this album. In addition to the songwriter- Mark Benno is the one that comes to mind as a songwriter who played on the album. But, there is a very impressive list of other personnel on here. So if you look on wikipedia for this album, the personnel list is separated into each song because she worked with so many different people for this. I'm just gonna name some of them that I know we've discussed in past reviews on this show. And I'm not gonna separate it by song, I'm just gonna make a list. Leon Russell on piano and organ. Clarence White of the birds. And Stephen Stills on guitar. Ry Cooter on Bottleneck Guitar Chris Etheridge of the Flying Burrito Brothers on bass Booker T. Jones on bass, piano, and organ and he also did arrangements of strings and horns for the album There are other names that you might recognize if you look on the personnel list but those are just a few of the biggest, most recognizable names that I noticed so those are some pretty big well-known people, and pretty successful. I'm guessing she got all of those people to work with her on this. It's a debut album. But, she wasn't a newcomer to the industry. She had already worked with these people. She started out as a backing vocalist, and she had performed, and even toured, with several of these people who played on this album. Delaney and Bonnie, she toured with them. They're not listed, but Um, she did work with them, and they're kind of credited as helping her get her start as a solo artist. She also dated Jim Gordon, who was in Derek and the Dominoes. And actually, she is credited as having written part of Layla. Well, (laughs) I say that. She's not actually credited for it, and there is a little bit of controversy there. She wasn't credited, but... It's... Fairly widely stated that she actually wrote it and just got passed over in the credits. Anyway, so you know, she was known in the industry, even though she hadn't really started her own solo career yet. And later on, after this, actually, she even married Chris Kristofferson, so she would continue to be well known. There is one other person that I do want to recognize from the personnel list before I get into the music from this album too deeply. He doesn't get a lot of recognition. I didn't recognize the name. But I think he probably deserves some recognition, so I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to pronounce it Plas Johnson. It's P-L-A-S. There was a link to a wiki page of his own. So, because I didn't recognize the name, I clicked on it out of curiosity to find out who he was he's the saxophone soloist for the pink panther theme by henry mancini Like, who doesn't know that particular piece of music everybody knows that so i just thought you know he deserved some recognition i wouldn't have known his name if i hadn't clicked so i'm glad that i did and he plays saxophone on this album as well tenor and alto i believe i didn't write that down but i think it's those two As for the music on the album, my first impression was about her voice. It's a little deeper than I expected, so I was surprised. I mean, she's not very White. (laughs) It's not that deep. But it is similar to how, like, Cher's voice is lower than a lot of other female singers. Rita Coolidge's voice is just a little bit lower than a lot of female. And I like it. I like her voice. I think it's really pretty. The music itself was a little boring, though. Like, there are some good songs, and she does a pretty good job on the covers that are on here, but they are covers. I did particularly like Crazy Love. I thought she did a really good job on that one. But, none of the songs really stand out as something that I'm going to need to come back to. You know, I don't have any doubt that she has the talent and capability to record songs that I will want to listen to over and over again. And I'm excited to see what she comes up with in I'm going to say the future, even though not so much the future now. Although if she does come out with stuff in the future, I would be interested. (laughs) But I'm interested and excited to see what she put out later in the 70s and 80s, and even in the 90s and 2000s if she released anything, and I think she did. It's just that none of that interesting work shows up on this particular album. This one was a three and a half star album for me. It sounds good. And it does. It does sound good. It just wasn't particularly interesting or exciting. So, that is Rita Coolidge, Rita Coolidge. Just what I think, but as always, don't forget to send us a message or leave us a comment on our Instagram or Facebook page. We want to hear your thoughts, too. Let me know. Do you agree with me? or my brother for this album or any of the other ones that we discussed this week, let us know. And I will close out this week's episode the same way we always do. Take care of yourself. Wear your mask. Stay away from people. Get the vaccine if you can. I got mine last week. It wasn't terrible, and it is so worth it. You know, It's just... It's a good thing to do to keep everybody safe. But I don't want to get too much on my soapbox. I'm supposed to be ending the show. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Now, take care of yourself. Be nice. And have a great week.